Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's just gone 9 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time and it's time for Rumble on the radio talking fight sports for the next hour. Coming up, Hot Rod McSwain, a former New Zealand pro MMA fighter and part of the setup now with CKB as a trainer as well. He's going to join us at 9.30. We'll look at Tai Tui Vasa's matchup this weekend against Cyril Gane and also Marvin Vittori taking on uh, Robert Whitaker too. So all that to come. But right now, uh, joining us from Australia's number one boxing show before the fight, it is Rob Scheif. G'day, Rob. How are you? Good, Ricardo, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for coming on tonight, mate. Plenty to talk about. Mate, there is a lot going on for the second half of the year. It Mate. is uh, starting under. It's starting uh, starting out in a really big way. It looks like it's going to be much bigger than the first half of the year. That's for sure. Wow, I, I thought twenty twenty one had more big fights than I could ever remember in a single year, but this year I think it might even go close to beating it. It's unbelievable how we've um, progressed through COVID, and now that you know the following years afterwards, it just seems like boxing has just gone from strength to strength in Australia and in New Zealand. Yeah, massive, mate. We're, and we're going to talk local fighters because uh, there are plenty of them. They're certainly, We're certainly producing them uh, both sides of the ditch. But let's talk uh, the big fight uh, from just the other day, actually. Anthony Juice, uh, Joshua up against Alexander Usyk. Um, not really much of a surprise, I don't think. I mean, Usyk well and truly outboxed him. I guess the question is, what next for AJ? Well, with Anthony Joshua, a term that's just started coming up recently has been called, uh, a term that's been coined, a money weight. Now, I'd heard it a couple of times uh, in the lead-up this year, but uh, Eddie Hearn himself from Matchroom used it four times in the closing uh, press conference with Anthony Joshua. And what he means by money weight is if Anthony Joshua fights uh, in England, then it doesn't matter if he fights Dillian White, Derek Chisora, um, Zeli Zhang, any of the up-and-coming heavyweights, Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce, doesn't matter if he fights any of them, it's going to be a money fight. And Brits, UK followers, and international followers are going to pay to see it. So Anthony Joshua, they're taking him right back. It's not going to be any more stadium fights at the moment. Definitely no world titles. But he's, uh, but he's definitely what has uh, been coined by Eddie Hearn as a, a money-weight fighter. So don't, don't worry about Anthony Joshua. Eddie wants to run him again probably in December. So they just want to give him a little mental break for a sec. Uh, he's got a new trainer, Robert Garcia, who he's, he's only been with the one fight with this last one against Alexander Usyk. So Anthony Joshua's still still got a lot to offer and expect uh, expect to see him again before the end of the year. Yeah, we're well, looking forward to seeing what happens there and who he goes up against because, I mean, you know, it feels like the fight that everybody really wants to see, I know all of Britain wants to see, is, is uh, AJ versus Fury, but he really needed to win that to make that fight happen, and now he's got to go back uh, and start again. Um, I don't know that beating Joyce or uh, any of those other guys you mentioned 
kind of gives him the profile he needs for that to be realistic again. I mean, almost, I, I, I know that he's basically retired, but it almost feels like he needs to fight and beat Deontay Wilder to set Fury up. You wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that happen. Deontay Wilder's name's been thrown around with Anthony Joshua for the last couple of uh, a couple of months, just in other circles, even mentioned on his own boxing show with Arkan Barak, just, I guess, in case, and to see if there was any interest in that fight. Again, that kind of fight you could you could make happen. It'd be it'd be a main event. It'd sell out. It'd be very, very entertaining. Both uh, guys, very big hitters, great, amazing physiques. Joshua was only 32 years old. So in heavyweight terms, that's, you know, it's not getting too old, whereas in a lot of ways you can be... You know, if you're a little bit lighter and you're 32, you, you're getting towards the end of your career. So what they do with AJ, it's going to be interesting to see. But um, if they want Fury, Fury said that he fights uh, Alexander Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight title, which there hasn't been since 1999. But to do that, he says he wants $850 million. Now, that figure's never been thrown out before, whether he gets it or not. But uh, he retains the WBC title, so it's a fight that everyone's talking about. That would be huge. $850 million would be the biggest purse ever, oh, wouldn't it? Ever. Abs- hands down and, and by a long shot. So whether that's just what he's doing to try and sell the hype for the fight and they're already in negotiations, who knows? Uh, the one thing, you know, he's a showman, but he's a very, very, very classy businessman too, Tyson Fury. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're not already in negotiations for a lot less than that. But um, the you know the the media the train has probably already started. You, no doubt, no doubt it started. I mean, who do you expect uh, Joshua to to jump in the ring with in December? I mean, and is it too short a turnaround for a Joe Joyce or a, or a Joe Parker, whoever wins that? Hard to say. There's a rematch clause uh, on with uh, Joe Parker and Joe Joyce. Uh, through Frank Warren, Joe Parker himself saying he doesn't need a rematch clause, that he's more motivated now than he's ever been. Uh, obviously, he's training with Tyson Fury and McCombie, uh, with Andy Lee as his trainer. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to say what happens there. If Parker beats Joe Joyce, then there's a rematch. If Joe Joyce wins, I'm not sure if the rematch clause goes back the other way. But both the boys, uh, Joe Joyce number two with the WBO at the moment, Parker number three, and they're also quite close to each other uh, in the WBC and the IBO and stuff like that. So they're names that are very, very close. Uh, it's hard to say. Joe Joyce has only had the 13, oh, well, 14 fights, 13 KOs, whereas Parker, a former WBO champion, uh, a lot more, you know, he's got a lot more credentials, the Kiwi. And we all love him here in Australia. So you make no mistake, we'll try and claim Joe Parker in a conversation if people don't know he's from <laughs> NZ. But, um, you know, he's had 33 fights, and Australia's not shy about doing that at all. I've done it many times over a beer. So um, especially when I talk to him, I try and claim him as an Australian. So there's a lot of big names in and around there, but it's hard to see, say, what's going to happen with AJ next. There's two or three people that, that have, you know, kind of been named, but it's all up to Eddie, and it's up to Anthony Joshua. He might decide he wants to have the rest of the year off, and no one would no one would have any issues with that. It was nearly a year to the day that he uh, the, the rematch against Usyk happened, so he he's very comfortable with having a long a long uh, rest. Yeah. Now on that fight, uh, Joe Joyce versus Joe Parker, I look at that fight and I think mm. uh, Joyce is a big man. Um, Parker's mm. been training with some very big men in the in, you know Tyson Fury's camp with Andy Lee, uh, a lot of guys who mm. dwarf him. 
I, I think Parker's got the movement. He's got the speed, uh, the hand speed, to get the better of Joe Joyce, who just seems to want to just walk forward. What do you? How do you see this fight going? Look, um, Joe against the bigger man. We've seen him against the bigger man when it came to uh, the fight with with Anthony Joshua. Take that for example. Um, usually he's pretty good with the Anthony Joshua fight. It was quite one-sided. Uh, Parker, but his his last fight, uh, Derek Chisora, what a great performance. He had Chisora in trouble a lot, and Chisora, obviously, we've seen him fight just recently. Uh, with Joe Joyce, he, he, he kind of had Christian Hammer. So there's two different kind of levels there, but he, they call him the juggernaut, Joyce. He's young, 14 fights, 13 KOs, former British champion. I, I think... The difference will be here, I'm picking Joe for this one, and I think it's going to be hand speed and movement. I think he just he can he can negate the distance on Joyce, and he can bridge the gap himself and get out of trouble. I think he's going to be too classy. I think his hand speed's still there, especially against Chisora when we saw it. Yeah, so quite... I think he might be a bit much for I think he might be a bit much for Joe Joyce. That's why they put the, the rematch clause in there. Yeah, right. And to give Joe Joyce another opportunity because I know Joe Parker would like another go round with Anthony Joshua, and he definitely wants another crack at Dillian White. I did see some mail going around that, um, and I know Dean Lonigan pretty well, and I know he's he's great at uh, generating talk about his fighters, but I did see some talk around uh, Justice Honey Joe Parker fight in the near future, but I think that's probably a fair way away. What's your take on that? Uh, it wouldn't be on Joe Parker's radar too much, especially now that uh, he's signed with uh, Sky Sports and he's over there, so he's, he, he definitely wants the Dillian White fight. Uh, love Dean, love the boss man. I was on the phone to him a couple of days ago, um, and we've got a little bit to talk about with what he's got coming up as well. Justice Heaney, he's a great promoter. And Justice Heaney throwing his name out there is probably a knee-jerk reaction because Junior Farr was on the schedule. It was thought that Junior Farr had beat Lucas Brown mm. and that Justice Heaney then fought Junior Farr. But those plans obviously uh, went by the wayside when Lucas Brown put him away in the first round to the WBA Oriental. Sorry, WBA Oriental. Yeah. Uh, heavyweight title. That, I mean, and that was a... Yeah, that I mean, that was a... A tough loss for him against Lucas Brown. I mean, we just seen Lucas Brown be beaten by Paul Gallon not that long before. I I thought Lucas Brown was done, so it was a hell of a surprise to see him do that uh, to Junior Far. Junior Far just looked like he didn't know what was going on. Lucas had a win recently, just before that, in the eighth round with a TKO against uh, Figer Apalu uh, Django, who was a former Australian heavyweight champion. He was quite well ranked, quite a uh, good amateur. And he, that's who Justice fought uh, when Justice debuted and won the Australian title. So everyone thought that Lucas was done. He's only had the three losses. Mm. And they and they thought Django was going to do the job on him, but he, he stressed Django out in the eighth. And um, he was always a chance with that big right hand. I, I've been watching him spar with, with Justice and Julius Brown, who he had fought previously here in Queensland at the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I didn't think it would go that way, but uh, I wasn't surprised. Uh, now, I actually see on Lucas Brown, um, he, he's fighting Jarrell Big Baby Miller, apparently, in November. Um, I don't know if, you, if, if you've seen much on this or how you think he'll go up there. Uh, with Lucas, yeah. um, it's all speculation until you actually see the fight poster. Right. Okay. Until it's actually 100% official. Uh, as far as I'm not 100% sure if it is or it isn't at the moment. Love Lucas Brown, big, big fan. But um, he's only had the three losses. He's got a WBA title. He's got a decent ranking. 
it's quite popular in Britain. Anything could happen. Yeah, you can get a phone call, and 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 things could change. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah, that was uh, Dan Raphael put that out not long ago. Um, that that, mm. that that might be happening. So we'll definitely uh, keep a, an eye on that. Of course, another big fight that we uh, is only a couple of weeks ago uh, that Design will be carrying is uh, Triple G up against Canelo mm. Alvarez. The trilogy fight uh, Saturday the seventeenth of September. Um, mm. What do you, uh, which way do you think this is going? I mean, Canelo's going to have to drop a lot of weight to get down for this. Look, he holds all the titles. He's undisputed as super middleweight. He's probably very comfortable as super middleweight. He was small at light heavyweight. This is a strange situation where we're talking about Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, and both of them are coming off losses. So um, wasn't long ago, Dimitri Bivol, 7th of May, um, Canelo Alvarez stepped up the light heavyweight for the WBA uh, super light heavyweight uh, title and fought Dimitri Bivol, and he lost. Bivol was just too big, too strong for him. And uh, 9th of April, Riata uh, uh, Murata sorry, had it, uh, held, holds a middleweight title in Japan. And um, Gennady Golovkin went to Japan, and he lost, by all accounts, to uh, Riata Murata. Now, Golovkin's 40 years old. The last time they fought was in 2018. The first time in 2017, it was a very controversial draw. And uh, the second one in 18, with the win going to... Uh, Canelo, some people thinking that Triple G could even have won that one. This time, I think it's going to be a close out. It's the Canelo's 61st fight and uh, Gennady Golovkin's 44th fight. It's a great money fight, uh, but I think Canelo's going to get rid of him quite easily and quite quickly in this one. Yeah, so and that'll be uh, the trilogy. John, do you think uh, Triple G will retire after that? Yes. That's the yes, male? I do. Yeah, oh, well, look, he's 40 now, and uh, by all accounts, I think he even noticed that he'd lost a bit of speed when he's fighting Murata. So this is the perfect time for Canelo to be to be fighting him. He gets to defend his IBF, WBA, WBO, WBC, and Ring Magazine super middleweight title, so all five belts. Um, it's good. It's a good payday. He puts it to rest. It's the trilogy. Yeah, I think Great fight. Canelo's, Great paying, fight. Canelo's paying $1.17 to win that. Um so I mean, if you're looking for value, it's a it's a Canelo Canelo to finish it at about two seventy. Um, what do you reckon? Mm. Give it six rounds. Inside, inside the six. Inside yeah, the I six. think he touches the body in the second, and uh, I think you'll start to see some damage happening around the fourth, the fifth, and we'll work the fourth or fifth. I think it's going to be where it's going to be. Mm, yeah, interesting, mm. interesting. Well, looking forward to seeing it and uh, seeing Canelo back down to where he belongs. I don't, I think light heavyweight is just too much of a uh, a stretch for him. Um, I, I did miss actually one heavyweight bout that is coming up, uh, Rob, which I thought we should uh, touch on. Uh, Andy Ruiz against Luis Ortiz. Uh, you know, mm. and Ruiz seems to have reinvented himself a bit, hasn't he? He does. He does. He wants to say that he's still there and he can still. Um, you know, make a claim for a run. Uh, former WBO champion, uh, having beaten um, AJ, so he's not too far away. AJ obviously coming back and getting the uh, getting the win against him. Parker beat him in the early days, but um, he is he's with um, Eddie Reynoso, uh, which is Ken Oliver as his trainer. He's very, very, very fit. He's getting a lot of time out of that, so uh, especially now that Ryan Garcia's moved on, and it's really only Canelo and and Andy there. Um, so, look, the guy, he looks very keen, very hungry. What, what he's going to show against uh, Ortiz, we're not sure. 
Yeah, I mean Ortiz. How old's he now? He must be. He must have just about be fifty, isn't he? He's been around forever. Mate, he has been indeed. He has been Ricardo. He has been. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, he's he's always been a durable guy. If uh, Ruiz can get him out of there, that'd be uh, reasonably impressive. But we'll have to see how that goes. Now, we wanted to talk some some local fighters. We have mentioned uh, Justice Honey, but uh, we should mention a few others. I know there's been a few Kiwis that Dino. Uh, then Lonigan has taken over to Australia, put some bouts on. Uh, you know, Jerome Pamplona, Andre as well, uh, Mikhailovich, uh, and and David Light. Uh, maybe not so much uh, as part of that stable, but he's also floating around. Uh, what do you make of where Kiwi Boxing's at at the moment, and who's impressed you? Look, it's very strong at the moment. David Light was very impressive um, with his last fight on the seventh of May against uh, against uh, Anthony Mortimer uh, with a first round KO. Uh, for the WBO International Cruiserweight fight that was happening in America, 7th of May this year. I was talking to Isaac Peach just before they left. He said that he was a red-hot favourite. Uh, I was I was a little dubious. He proved me wrong. First round KO. Now David Light's fighting again on the 8th of October on the Super Saturday Day held by No Limit Boxing, uh, which is going to be in uh, uh, in Sydney, I think. I'm not sure. I've just got to double-check where that one's going to be. Super Saturday. Day. Can't remember. No, Newcastle. Newcastle. Newcastle, that one's going to be. And David Light's on that. He's fighting Vickers Sting, uh, who's 11-3-1. Vickers has fought uh, Australians like Floyd Masson and Luke Medini. He went the distance with Floyd Masson and uh, went uh, and got KO'd in the eighth round by Luke Medini. But he's he's fighting David Light over here in Australia on the 8th of October. So David Light's still in there. Uh, Isaac says that he's doing really, really well and that he's, he's fit and ready to go. And there's some big names in the cruiserweight division. Guys like Floyd Masson, uh, Jason Waitley's going to go and fight Mastanak in Poland uh, before he might. If he wins that, you know, which is a very hard fight, he could be an IBF challenge for um, Jai Opatia. So David Light, not too far out of the mix there in the cruiserweight division, which is very strong in Australia and New Zealand. Jerome Campbellone, another cruiserweight, thirteen fights. So he's only five fights away from David Light. And Jerome, by all accounts, very, very uh, impressive out of Dean Lonigan's Dean Old Boxing. He had his last fight against uh, Joshua Francis. He got the IBF Australasian. Uh, great fight, you know. And um, Jerome Pampelone was doing some great rounds of sparring when he was over here with Jai Opatia. And then the very exciting Andre Mikhailovich. Wow. There is a huge announcement that will be coming out in the next week or so for his next fight. I can't say much about it just yet. But uh, I know exactly who it is, and it's enormous. And Andre Mikhailovich is just the human highlight reel, fighting yeah. Princess Waitai not long ago. Oh, so. mate, honestly, uh, I've watched Andre a few times, and I yeah, I saw him uh, saw his last fight, Jerome's last fight there as well uh, over here, and uh, impressive. Uh, I did I did laugh because I think I know who who it is. He's not being shy about talking about Isaac Hardman, um, and 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 uh, funny that he's kind of you know as he goes talking about how Isaac Hardman only you know he's just all mouth and nothing else because Andre likes to talk. Um, so if that's the fight that's happening, a man sign me up. I'll be all over that. Oh mate, that'd be a great fight. Let me tell you right now, Ricardo, I'd be right there. As well, in amongst it, that would be an amazing fight to make happen. Yeah, it would be, mate. Now, uh, yeah, Jerome Pamplone, because Jerome's really a light heavyweight. He stepped up to cruiserweight to fight Chucky mm. Francis, who was the uh, the New Zealand cruiserweight champion. And, you know, I kind of I, I went into that fight thinking, well, I know Jerome's probably going to be, be a, the quicker fighter. 
And I think probably the fight came a little bit sooner than Shane Cameron would have wanted for Chucky Francis. Uh, but I did wonder how he would go with Chucky's power because he's a, a much bigger guy, a more solidly built guy. Uh, but he made it look reasonably easy, to be fair. Um, he just toyed with him and then finished it, I think, in about the fifth or sixth round. Oh, he's, he's impressive. Keep an eye on Jerome Pembloke. At light heavyweight, he's an absolute weapon. Uh, at cruiserweight, he, he could almost be a little bit too small. So, you know, he, he's, he's, in very, he's in very impressive. He is. And Isaac Peach has got all the faith in him. He comes from a great stable, and he's just going from strength to strength. So, And with his record, the way he's going, he could make some big waves in the light heavyweight and the cruiserweight division. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Hey, Rob, look, it's been a real pleasure, mate, having you on. Uh, it's great to chat uh, boxing with you. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work too, man. Uh, before the fight, um, great YouTube videos, great content as well. And uh, where can people check you out? Uh, look, we're at every major fight night uh, and the weigh-ins, having all the fun doing all the interviews. But you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the social medias, and at every boxing show. Yeah, well, of course, there is a big show coming up on the 15th of October, isn't there, in Brisbane, before I let you go. Liam Paro and, and Brock Jarvis. Um, mm. Is that the first matchroom fight in Aussie? It is the very first matchroom fight in Australia. Yes, Eddie Hearn's very excited. There's going to be some big names on there. Dempsey McKean, Sky Nicholson. Um, so there's a lot of good Aussies fighting on that one. But Paro versus Jarvis, uh, both guys not really uh, super impressive in their first fight. Uh, Paro going down in the first round but still winning. And Brock Jarvis having a very tough second round but coming around with a fifth uh, round TKO. Uh, in Fresno, in California, that one. So... Uh, Eddie wants to make sure that the boys are ready for the big time, so he's going to make them fight each other. That's a great that's a great way of doing things, rather than gatekeeping, eh? I mean, which boxing has been guilty of in the past. Absolutely, and when you're Eddie Hearn, you, which is the number one promoter with Matchroom, you've got the zone behind you. Uh, you can make these decisions, and you know it's it's either put up or shut up, and the boys are ready. They put their throwing their hats in the ring. They're ready to go. Very interesting because both the trainers. Uh, very close to each other. The DiCarlo's are very close to the Fennec. And when uh, Eddie Hearn rang um, uh, Angelo DiCarlo, he said to him from Ace Boxing, we want this fight, what do you think? Uh, Angelo said, this fight's never going to happen. We're close friends with the Fennec. It won't happen. Eddie Hearn got off the phone to Angelo DiCarlo, rang Jeff Fennec, and Jeff Fennec, uh, he said, Jeff Fennec, what do you think about the fight? Jeff Fennec said, sign me up, we'll fight him tomorrow. <laughs> so... Uh, there's been a little bit. There's been a little bit of uh, a little bit of turmoil amongst the families. There, it's been quite an interesting watch. But both uh, sides keeping it very respectful. But there's no love lost in this one between Liam Paro and Brock Jarvis. It's going to be a barn burner. Yeah, be a great fight, mate. It's going to be great. Actually, another great fight actually that I was going to ask you about, and I forgot to. So I'll chuck it in here at the end, Rob. If you if you don't mind, you can charge us over time for this one. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, Eubank Junior versus Ben. Um, oh. You know, sons are two legends. This is happening. I think uh, first second week of October over in the UK. Uh, I mean, I can't see past Eubank Eubank Junior with his power. Where are you on this? Look, great fight born to fight each other because of the surnames, but not really. Saturday, the 8th of October, uh, O2 Arena in London. Uh, we have a super welterweight fight. Now, Conor Ben has campaigned at welterweight his entire career. Uh, this one, Chris Eubanks has been fighting at middleweight, so he's coming down to super welterweight. Conor Ben coming up. Chris Eubank, only the two losses out of 34 outings, uh, whereas Conor Ben, 
quite the novice in regard. Only 21 uh, bikes, but 14 KOs. He has been impressive. Chris Van Eden and Chris Algieri um, were his last two opponents. Um, Chris Eubanks, Liam Williams uh, was his last fight. So kind of been on the way up. Chris Eubank is in everyone's conversation. So he, he, he it's a great fight. It's a two-horse race. Anything could happen in this one. You'd have to think that Chris Eubank's going to be the favourite. But Conor Ben is... He's Eddie Hearn's stable. He's from he's from Matchroom. It's his boy, so he must have every faith in him. He must do, mate. He must do. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Rob, thanks so much again for your time, mate. Keep up the good work at Before the Fight as well, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Ricardo, thanks very much, man. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Uh, Rob Shife there from Before the Fight. Check out the YouTube channel. They're on Twitter. They're on Facebook as well. It is 25 past nine here on SENZ. It's 29 past nine here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Paul with you. We are talking boxing and UFC combat sports this hour. Coming up shortly, Hot Rod, Hot Rod McSwain is going to join us. We are going to talk UFC. Uh, some big bouts coming up this weekend. Uh, but just having a look at the big uh, boxing matchups coming our way. On Sunday at 2 o'clock, Andy Ruiz takes on Luis Ortiz. Ruiz is the big favourite, paying $1.22. Uh, to beat Ortiz. Ortiz at three seventy five, fifteen dollars is on the draw. Ruiz by points or decision three thirty by knockout a dollar ninety one. Ortiz by points or decision eight dollars knockout six fifty. The draw is paying nineteen dollars in that one. Ruiz has certainly uh, lost a lot of that baby fat that he used to fight with. That we saw him fight Joe Parker and even uh, Anthony Joshua with. He's uh, certainly looking at a slimmer, meaner machine than he was. Mentioned earlier, Canelo Alvarez is a dollar seventeen favourite to beat Triple G's four thirty three. The draw is twenty one dollars. And uh, I mentioned earlier that Joe Parker, Joe Joyce. Um, for me, it seems pretty. I think it's pretty obvious that Joe Parker's a better fighter. I think he's got more uh, experience. He's got more tools in the shed as well, if you like. But according to the TAB, and this might be because they're getting their odds off out of the UK, but uh, Joe Joyce is the favourite. A dollar forty-four. Joe Parker two fifty. The draw seventeens. Uh, Joe Joyce by points or decision two fifty. Knockout three fifty. Parker points or decision three seventy-five. Knockout or TKO six fifty. I'll take that three seventy-five. Parker points or decision uh, all day long. I reckon uh, that looks pretty good to me. I'd certainly be taking it. It's twenty-nine away from ten. When we come back, Hot Rod McSwain joins us, and we're going to be talking UFC. This is SENZ Extra Time with Ricardo through till 11 o'clock um, tonight. Uh, we are talking fight sports, of course, combat sports this hour. It is Rumble on the radio. We've been talking boxing with uh, Rod uh, Rob Scheif, I should say, out of uh, Before the Fight. Uh, well, we're checking out them on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube as well. Uh, and now, after having half an hour of talking boxing, we are going to talk some UFC with our man Hot Rod McSwain. How are you, sir? Are you there, Rod? Yep. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, another big weekend in the UFC. I mean, it seems like every weekend is a big weekend in the UFC, but uh, this fight night in Paris is uh, is serving up 
uh, some absolute beauties. Of course, the the, the top uh, fighters, Cyril Garn, getting to fight at home, I, th- I believe, for the first time in the UFC, and going up against uh, Tai Tuivasa, looking to bounce back from that loss to Francis Ngannou. Bro, that's amazing. I think um, France has just recently allowed MMA to happen in the last few years, so um, it's awesome to have a have an event there. It's it's wicked. It's really good. Yeah, it is, mate. I mean, and you know, Cyril Garn when he first came onto the heavyweight scene, we we're all like, "Whoa, this guy! This guy's going to be champ! This guy's going to be champ! How's anybody going to stop this guy?" I don't think anybody saw Francis Ngannou beating them, did they? I don't think anyone saw Francis doing it the way he did mm. with um with the wrestling, with the takedowns, and we haven't really, we, we only know what we know, and if we don't know anything about his camp, and we don't see him in the cage actively taking people down, then we're going to rule it out, you know, and so um, he just threw that surprise there, and it really exposed Sorogan's ground game, you know, all you need to be is a little bit better at someone, at something, and expose it, and you can just win the fight, just just like you did, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, Cyril Garn, what do you think his work-ons will have been? Will it be the ground game? Because, I mean, it, it almost feels like a bit of a waste game against Tai Tuivasi. You know, he's not going to try and do that. Yeah, well, like, that's the thing. With one-dimensional fighters, you know, um, the problem is if you start losing in the avenue that you're supposed to be winning at, there's not there's not many, there's not much of a plan B. So I guess with, with Ty, Ty's, um, Ty will be looking to knock him out. And if Cyril, Cyril has any trouble on the feet, he's probably going to need to do what Francis does and, and uh, take him down because Ty's been known to not be so strong on the ground. So um, Cyril will definitely need a, a plan B, even though I, I don't think he'll think he, he needs it. He rates his stand-up. I rate his stand-up. You probably do as well. It's, mm. He moves like a middleweight. And the heavyweight does, but um, bro, it only takes one shot from from Ty, you know. So why gamble? You know, I thought he might have a few other weapons in his arsenal. Maybe look for a potential takedown. And the thing with takedowns is it uh, the threat of the takedown can uh, eliminate a lot of aspects of someone striking as well. If um, like GSP, he would take people down, would he? And he would be uh, winning the stand up, and people would. Would would wonder why the hell is GSP taking people down? He's winning the stand up. Well, it's to throw you off your game. Just to having the threat of the takedown uh, makes you a bit more hesitant and not as confident in your striking. You know, you got to watch out for that. We got to always watch out for the threat. And um, if you can add that, and um, you know, you can really uh, limit someone striking like that. Mm. So I thought if Cyril Garn can add that to his game, or even Ty add it to his game, you know, it's. You know, we can't just go back to the stand and bang like we've, you know, like people like heavyweights like to do. You know, Francis really exposed Cyril's his ground game, and you know, hopefully he's improved on that. Yeah, hopefully he has. Hopefully he has. I mean, Taito Ivasa is an interesting um, character as well. Um, of course, he's had his struggles. Those have been pretty well documented. He had a three-fight loss uh, streak uh, after the Junior de Santos loss in, in Adelaide. Um, and I don't think too many saw that coming. But then the comeback after a year out, uh, beating Stefan Struve, Harry Hunsucker, Greg Hardy, Augusto Sakai, and then Derek Lewis. I certainly, you know, I thought them putting up against Derek Lewis was them going, we need another heavyweight contender. And I thought they'd pushed him too far too soon with Derek Lewis. But, I mean, that elbow knockout, second round, a performance of the night as well. Uh 
yeah, you couldn't argue it. Um, I do have yeah. a little bit of that, though. <laughs> I'm still going, are they pushing him too soon? Is Cyril going too soon for Ty? Well, it's like, we're, it's, it's it's the heavyweight div, you know, like when when's too soon, when's too long. You know, it's 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 tough. The the threat of being knocked out in the heavyweight div is always there. You know, you're you're always one shot away from a an amazing victory or an unfortunate loss. So, like, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit soon against Derek Lewis, but man, look look at that, prove prove this wrong. So so who knows? You know, this could be um, the biggest moment of his career, or it could be he hasn't got anything to lose. Ricardo, you know what I mean? He hasn't got anything to lose. He's fighting one of the what, the number one guy, the number two guy. So um, worst can happen. You, you get you get you lose, um, and you and you build back. But um, I think it's a it's amazing shot for him. Yeah, it's number one versus number three. He is the biggest underdog on the card, though. Yeah, but no one can knock anyone out like this number three underdog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got the potential to turn it around with one, literally one shot. And and Ty's stand up is um is, I think it's quite underrated. A lot of people think him he's of just a brawler, but Ty can kickbox, he can fight in the pocket, he can fight at range, he can he's got an amazing clinch, he's got awesome leg kicks, which um Cyril Garn utilizes his 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 rangy uh techniques more than anyone else does. But I think Ty might have the tools to get inside that and he's quite explosive coming forward. Not like Derek Lewis, he's not Derek Lewis is kind of a you know, he kind of on and off Romero style, but then he, then when he takes his foot off the gas, he leaves it off for a long time. Ty's not going to do that. Ty's going to put it on, off, put it on, off, and follow, cut off, and um, he's going to be a much harder fight for Cyril than um than Derek Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is the one thing that uh, you've you've sort of pointed out that you've alluded to that is his movement around the ring. Um, and and he will cut the ring, well you know the octagon. He will he will try and corner you, and then get you back against the cage and and, and start unloading with those uppercuts. It's um, like a, a finessed Mark Hunt, maybe. Yeah, if you if you see in his last fight, he um he was switching over from orthodox to southpaw, cutting off Derek whichever way Derek would go, he'd cut him off in the correct stance. And um, uh, not many people picked up on that. Cyril Gan does that very well. So um he he'll be he'll be ready for it but it, it, I think it's just going to be an awesome stand up chess match until um until someone gets knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't you don't see this one going the distance. The judges aren't going to have to worry. Uh it it depends. I I think it's on. I think Cyril has the. You've seen in, in a few of Cyril's fights, he's been able to take a few guys down and apply submissions. If he, I think, if he wants to keep it standing. Until he gets hurt, or until he feels um, like he's losing, he, he might go for um, he might go down the Francis route, going for a takedown on tie. It's definitely a lot safer fighting tie on the ground or tight in the clinch rather than fighting him at range. So you could see that that if that happens, that'll go the that'll go the distance. If not, if he wants to stand and bang, then I don't I don't see this going the distance. No, I, I totally agree, mate. Totally agree. Uh, I think uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're the judge, you just put your foot up, feet up, grab a beer, and enjoy the spectacle because um, you probably yeah, they're good. not going to need you. They're gonna, not going to need your notes. Hey, uh, the co-main event in this one, I think, has flown under the radar a bit as well because I think the winner of this will probably get another shot at Izzy, and they've, they've both already had a couple of shots. But uh, uh, Robert Whitaker up against Marvin Vittori. I, I'm always surprised that Vittori is where he is, because you watch him against Izzy, and he looks well and truly outclassed 
whereas Robert Whitaker against Izzy looks like he's got a shot. But then you look at the people that Vittori's beaten, you know, Paolo Costa, Kevin Holland, Jack Hermanson. He's beaten some great names, so you can see why he is there, but he just doesn't seem to be able to to, to uh, get over um, what Izzy does when he finally gets the opportunities. Yeah, it's a tough yarn in the, the middleweight div. It's, I think Israel's stand-up is just levels above everyone, and Whitaker and Vittori, they're super smart fighters. You know, They're not the best stand-up fighters or the best ground fighters, but they do it. They have a complete game, which is a little bit better than everyone else in the div, bar, bar Israel. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is definitely the, the, the best fight for the number one spot, for the number one ranked spot, bar the champion. Um, I really feel for these guys because without Israel, either of these guys could be champ. You know, Rob could be champ, quite a dominant champ for for a bit longer and um, Vittoria is probably the perfect fight for him he's super fit he's not going to stop Rob's got amazing stand-up and great wrestling and super smart I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to this I try to have a think of who was going to win and I'm not too sure you know I think they're both great guys they're both great fighters and I the thing I like about them is they're so well-rounded they got the stand-up they got the ground um, they can put it together and they're quite, they've got a high fight IQ um, you know, so, so yeah, I'm, the good thing about it, my teammate Israel's beating them a couple of times each, so, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is a fight that feels like it probably will go the distance, right? I mean, uh, Robert Whittaker's not a guy that finishes a lot of people. Uh, he goes to decision a, a lot of the time. And, yeah. and Vittori's the same, and, and it feels like it'll it'll probably be decided on the map. Yeah, but Vittori hasn't been, has he been stopped? He's um he's pretty hard to put away. Um, um I'm just thinking because is did is he stop? Oh no, last time is he was decision, wasn't it? Nah, yeah, they broke no. their both decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been choked out. I think before is he? Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he hasn't been knocked out. I don't think. Yeah, well, everyone after fighting Israel, they fight a lot smarter, or they they get a little bit gun shy. They don't want to um, take bigger risks because of you know the potential for getting knocked out. So they, they try and keep it smart, and I imagine they'll do the same against each other. Is this a five-round or a three-round fight, Ricardo? Uh, it is co-main, so that should be a five-rounder, shouldn't it? It should be. It needs to be a five-rounder, because these guys don't really get going until the third round. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I've, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. Yeah. I'm not too sure who's going to win, but um, probably decision and... I will have to back the Kiwi Aussie. I'll have to back the Mozzie on this one, <laughs> Rob. And back the Mozzie. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's a good guy. He's a good fella, Rob. Yeah. No, I'll be, I'll be, I remember him being when he was on Ultimate Fighter, actually. Um, I remember seeing him come through there. I think, was that the same one that Gastelum was on? Because I mean, Gastelum came through Ultimate Fighter too, didn't he? Gastelum. I don't know. It wasn't that one. Um, Rob fought on the Tough Smashes was the Australia versus right. the UK. That's right. And he, he took that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. before that, Rob was fighting in, me and Rob were fighting in Asia at Legend FC. He was fighting there as well. Yeah. So, so um, been on the same card a few times, so I, I better back Rob. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a good guy. He's probably listening, <laughs> mate, so you better not say anything bad. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> hey, um, well, I've got you, uh, Rod. Uh, just quickly, um, Kai, um, obviously he'd be gutted uh, at the loss, uh, but, I mean, he wasn't far away. Um, it's the second time that Brandon's got the better of him. Well, what's 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 Kai's plan and what's his work on? Well, 
that was I had Kai winning. Um, I think he maybe first and second was like one apiece, and I think the third round I had him winning that third round up until that unfortunate, well-timed, well-set-up kick. Mm. Um, so I think I think he's on the right track. I think mentally and physically he's he's on the right he's on the right track. He just got caught, you know. Kai just it just happens, and just unfortunately it was in the third round. It was and it was right there. So I think he stick to stick to the game plan, stick to what he's doing. He's probably one or two fights away from another shot at the title. So um, now's not the time to make stupid decisions and take fights on short notice. The time now is to get back into the gym and try and line up a, a good fight that'll um, get him closer to the to the title. But I, I think everything he was doing in that fight was, was on. It was just very unfortunate that um, he got caught. So um yeah, I, I like the position Kaizen. And I and I like that here he got hurt with the body shot rather than a, a kick to the head, so he doesn't have to take too much time off. Yeah, well that that is true, man. That looked like it hurt too. Eh? It just took all the air out of him. You could see it. It was just like, ooh. Oh, smack on the liver, Ricardo. And if you've had a liver shot before, bro, it's just an automatic shutdown button. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nope. It's horrible. Yeah. Hey, uh, we, yeah. We have had a couple of other Kiwis announced. Uh, Dan Hooker, Claudio Pulez, and uh, Brad Riddell, Renato Moicano added to UFC 281. So it's all go, mate. It's all go. And no doubt you'll be working pretty hard with those guys in the lead-up to that. Oh, I'll have to be pretty soon. I've been a bit slack lately, but I'll get back in there and um, give the boys a hand. Yeah, good stuff, Rod. Hey, mate, thanks very much for coming on. Always good to chat with you, and uh, we'll catch up soon, eh? Awesome. Cheers, Ricardo. Cheers, mate. There we go. Hot Rod McSwain uh, talking to us part of uh, the CKB training setup as well about uh, the Kiwi fighters in the UFC and, of course, that big UFC matchup this weekend. Bam Bam Tai Tuivasa going up against Cyril Garn uh, from France and uh, also Robert Whitaker up against Marvin Vittori. That is Sunday, New Zealand time. It is 10 away from 10.30.